Tilona is the goddess of poison and disease. She and her faith look to extort payment and prayer from the general populace. They do this both through holding many medicinal cures, all the while threatening the world around them with plague and poison. I'm Ben Dignan, and welcome once again to Religion in the Realms. Titles Talona goes by the following titles Lady of Poison or Lady of Poisons, Mistress of Disease, Mother of All Plagues, She of the Deadly Kiss, and the Plague Crone. Talona has two known aliases Kiputu, whom Talona killed long ago and then assumed her identity, and Sisthas Sinus was an aspect of the world serpent. The serpent god long ago was killed by an elven power, though Talona has long since co-opted the name as an alias of hers. Portfolio and Domains Talona holds the portfolios of disease and poison. Talona's suggested domain for 5th edition is death. Though with some narrative reframing, nature is also fitting in my opinion. Appearance and Manifestations Talona is commonly depicted and described as a withering older woman. Her face is covered in both tattoos and scars. Her fingers are long and clawing. Her hair is unkempt. Some depictions may show her holding a cup or a vase. It is said that in this vessel are all the disease and poison types known to the people of Faerun. Alongside, some she still keeps to herself. The avatars of Talona look much like herself. Talona's favorite weapon is an unarmed strike with one of her scabby hands. Talona has one known manifestation. A shimmering and flickering radiance of brown and yellow, much like a flame that hovers above a place of disease or death. This manifestation sways back and forth much like it is dancing. The manifestation is able to teleport short distances at a time. The manifestation does not carry Talona's voice. Rather, Talona can use the manifestation to burn words into wood or other loose material. Through the manifestation, Talona can cast spells with a range of touch or attack with her sickly essence, which afflict those with a wasting disease. The manifestation is also able to confer mental visions which historically has only been done with her clergy. Tolona makes use of the following creatures to communicate her approval, disapproval, or aid her mortal followers. Kazme demons, Otiogs, Neo-Otiogs, Golgoth Hydras, Imps, Quasits, Iron Maws, Rats of all varieties, Sewerms, Shadow Drakes, Gargantuan, Hairy, and Watch Spiders, Turlins, and Vores. Talona can also manifest items on the Prime Material to signal her influence. A black lily or a poisonous fungus or herb. A solitary piece of jasper or amber may indicate her favor, though should such a gemstone shatter, it is said that a person is not long for this world 
either dying from disease if it is amber that shatters, or dying from poison if jasper shatters. Abilities Tolona was first listed as a demi-power in 1st edition. She was then raised to the position of a lesser goddess in 2nd edition, and that continued forward into 3rd edition. With 4th edition's own unique divine ranks, Tolona held the position of a, quote, god. 5th edition has divine ranks, but does not list out the divine ranks of deities, save for a couple. Likely, Tolona holds the power of a lesser deity, using the 5th edition ranks. Tolona's power can swing significantly. Her power is at its highest when plagues are at their peak. Then when plagues begin to peter out, Tolona finds her power diminishing. Should she feel especially vulnerable, she will manifest another wave of disease and pestilence upon the surface of Faerun. In return, she receives prayers and offerings, attempting to placate, in turn raising her power and influence once more. Tolona has an avatar stat block in 2nd edition's Face and Avatars. The avatar has access to any spell from any sphere or school of magic, though she has a strong preference for spells that damage the body internally. Her avatars are known to appear during times where dense crowds form, such as during a festival. In other words, an opportune time to spread plague and disease. An avatar does not intervene should her clergy be attacked. Instead, the avatar grants her clergy a portion of power, whether that be the power of her withering touch or access to the spells that the avatar possesses. Then the avatar leaves the faithful to defend themselves. The avatar ignores any who attack her, letting the nefarious and dangerous effects that surround her do their work. Non-magical objects, be they natural or otherwise, who strike the avatar just rot away. Not only that, should they fail a save, they fall victim to a wasting disease immediately. A disease that will waste away the target turn by turn, unless magic such as cure disease is cast to heal the afflicted. Personal History I don't know why the following event is stated to have happened in two separate years, but I'll try to make this situation as clear as possible. Face and Avatars from 2nd edition states that this event happened in 75 Dale Reckoning. Lost Empires of Faerun and Grand History of the Realms from 3rd edition stated it occurred in negative 33 Dale Reckoning. I believe Face and Avatars incorrectly states the wrong year. In either case, Talona would be challenged by an interloper deity from the Finnish pantheon known as Kiputia. Kiputia is also, or was, the sister of Loviatar. Due to the conflict between these two, the still surviving nethery city-state of Azram, that had since burgeoned out into its own kingdom, was destroyed. Talona unleashed a deadly plague upon the citizens of Azram in order to boost her veneration and power. This only caused Kiputia to respond in kind as Azram was caught in the middle. In less than 30 days, the population of Azram was wiped out by this unceasing wave of plagues. Tolona would soon after find a way to murder Kiputia. In time, ancient texts would begin to refer to Tolona as Kiputia. It is still thought by some 
that Kiputia is an alias of Tolona to this day, a fact that Tolona does not try to challenge. The ruins of Azram remain mostly untouched due to the deadly plagues that still cling to it, save two particular groups. First, shades who were poking around in Azram in the 1370s Dale Reckoning. Second, a group of Talantar blight lords who traveled here with ghouls under their command. These blight lords took up residence under the guidance of a vision from Talona that spoke about a plague soon to be unleashed. Though that plague has not been unleashed as of yet, it would seem, for well over 100 years. Tolona has been at her peak of power during a few specific events on Faerun. The first was the aforementioned destruction of Azram in negative 33 Dale Reckoning. The second was during the Rotting War of 902 Dale Reckoning. The third was during the Year of Scourge in 1150 Dale Reckoning. At this time, both Tolona's and Loviatar's faith saw a dramatic increase in influence. A virulent plague ran through the Sword Coast created and supported by a secretive cult in Waterdeep that would later be put down by the Lords of Waterdeep. The fourth was during the year of the Empty Goblet and year of beckoning deaths being the years 1252 to 1253 Dale Reckoning, respectively. Then finally, her power was at its height during the Great Plague of the Inner Sea that lasted from 1317 to 1323 Dale Reckoning. Tolona would eventually find herself under Ball as a superior with a few other powers, though any date for the establishment of this relationship is not given. This unholy alliance of evil gods was known simply as the Dark Gods. Following the death of Ball as well as Bane during the Time of Troubles, Dark Gods' alliance seemed to have broke and Tolona was left as an independent power. During the Time of Troubles, in 1358 Dale Reckoning, Tolona would come to visit a wizard by the name of Abalister. She instructed the wizard to found an order and to then house that order among the Snowflake Mountains. Abalister would do so as he founded Castle Trinity. Tolona would also gift this wizard with a recipe for something called the Chaos Curse, which is also known as Tuanta Quiro Miansi, which is translated to common as Most Fatal Horror. I don't know if it's ever stated what language that's from. I have discussed the Chaos Curse in the past when talking about Daenerys Chosen, known as Catterley. In a nutshell, Catterley and his companions went on to foil the plots of Castle Trinity, and bring it to ruin. Though it is thought that some elements of this Talonite group may still survive. Personality Talona is a chaotic evil goddess. Her personality has been likened to that of a moody and avaricious child. One who was a beautiful woman, but now worn by age and disease. She can seem needy at times, and at other times sullen and distant. Talona may temporarily support good adventurers if she is aware that they are in confrontation with Loviatar and her faith. Personal Realms In the Great Wheel cosmological model used in 1st edition, 2nd edition, and is the assumed default model for 5th edition Forgotten Realms, Talona resides on the split, neutral evil, chaotic evil outer plane of Karseri. 
Carceri has several names and titles which include the Tartarian Depths of Carceri, Tartarus, the Red Prison, and the Great Cage. Talona's realm of the Palace of Poison Tears is found on Cathras, the second layer of Carceri. Carceri is often considered to be a prison given the difficulty in finding a way out of the plane, especially if a creature has been imprisoned here by some entity or other being. However, Carceri is one of the easiest outer planes to gain entrance into, with many portals that lead to the first layer. Carceri's form is a little more unusual and a bit difficult to grasp. The best way to conceptualize Carceri is to liken it to a pearl necklace. Each pearl of the necklace then has six different shells, consisting of the outside surface, which makes up the first layer, then moving inwards towards the sixth layer, near the core. The layers of Carceri are made up of the shells of each pearl that share the same number. For example, Talono's realm of the Palace of Poison Tears is found on the second layer of Carceri, known as Cathras. That means for however many pearls there are in Carceri, Cathras consists of all the second shells found in every pearl. Staying with the pearl necklace example, each pearl shares an orbit much like they were connected on a massive and incomprehensibly long string that connects each pearl of Carceri. However, to add another level of complexity to this whole plane's form, the distance between each pearl and Carceri depends on which layer you are on. The pearls on the first layer are separated by 100 miles or less. Comparatively, the pearls on the fifth layer are separated by millions of miles, and the pearls on the sixth layer have not even been ascribed a distance given how far they are separated. Despite the massive gulfs that might exist between the pearls on certain layers, travel to the layers both above and below on the same pearl is relatively easy, in that if you were on the second layer of the pearl that Talona's realm is on, it is easy enough to make your way up to the first layer, or downwards to the third layer and onwards should you find the necessary portals or interplanar conduits. The river Styx winds its way across the uppermost layer of Carceri, from pearl to pearl. Should a person be willing to pay the necessary toll, it may serve as one of the safest methods to get from pearl to pearl. This plane has no day or night cycle. If a powerful entity is capable of creating one, they can manifest it for their partitioners and realms. Regardless, Carceri is lit by a dim red glow that is brighter on the outer layers compared to the inner layers. The colors of objects and people have a distinct ruddy hue to them, as if you were looking through blood-red colored lenses. Wind does carry across the plane, but it brings along a fetid and foul stench with it. If it is strong enough, it can make one nauseous or confused. Each layer of Carceri houses petitioners of given evil dispositions and has its own physical characteristics. But one thing holds true across each layer. Do not trust any petitioner on Carceri. The petitioners of Cathras were those mortals who gave into their more animalistic and savage tendencies while they lived. Cathras is known as the Scarlet Jungle. 
The red-colored trees and grasslands here speak to the violence permeating this layer. There is also a heavy permeating scent of rot unique to the layer. The trees here leak acid rather than sap, and this acid is constantly breaking down organic and non-organic material. The blades of grass are just that, razor-sharp plants blowing in the wind able to cut skin easily. There are maintained roads on Cathras, though the grasses are constantly growing back to encroach on the roads. Do not try to hide in any of the many holes burrowed out in the ground on Cathras. For whatever reason, these holes potentially afflict someone with paranoia. In the World Tree Cosmological Model, used for 3rd edition Forgotten Realms, Talona resides on the plane of the Barrens of Doom and Despair. The Barrens are inhospitable, bleak and vastly empty of life and joy. Here the plains landscape consists only of black sand, plains of granite, and the occasional canyon ringed with cliffs made of obsidian. Though there are areas of inhospitable tundra and ice, no sun shines here as permanent black clouds hang above while a red sky glows in behind them. Petitioners who arrive on the barrens are turned into larvae. These are creatures medium in size, with worm-like bodies who retain the form of their mortal heads. Talona's realm is the Palace of Poison Tears. Her pyramid-shaped palace is located in wetlands, rife with parasites and biting insects, infectious disease, humidity, and hot temperatures. Nothing here is safe to drink or eat. The shape of Tolona's palace is reminiscent of her holy symbol. Tolona's realm is consciously located far away from the realm of Lovitar, as both inhabit the same plane and both loathe one another. Within the World Axis cosmological model used for 4th edition, Tolona resides on the astral dominion known as Towers of Night. This dominion is shrouded in perpetual night and contains a wide array of biomes from wastelands, bogs, and deserts. Shar is a superior deity of this dominion. Talona's pyramid-shaped plague palace is found in a disease-ridden swamp. Allies in Allegiances Prior to the Time of Troubles, Baal was once as superior to Talona. Since he appeared to be destroyed completely during the Time of Troubles, Talona was left to her own devices and has since formed an alliance of sorts with Shar. Though with evil powers, it isn't easy to concretely say just how allied they may truly ever be. Since Baal's re-emergence as a deity post-Second Sundering, we are left to make our own conclusions as to whether these two powers have reformed any sort of relationship short of asking Ed Greenwood or Wizards of the Coast, stating something concrete. Tolona may have an alliance with Shar, though it is an alliance built on their shared distaste for Loviatar. Tolona hopes that Shar may one day help her to kill Loviatar. At least in 4th edition, we know that Tolona existed on the astral dominion that was ruled over by Shar. Talona is said to have a working relationship with Bane, though that is one fulfilled more out of Talona's fear of Bane than any true alliance. Previously, she indirectly served Bane, as Bane was Baal's superior. 
The issue with Ball and Bane is that currently they are quasi-powers or demi-powers down on the Prime Material, having abdicated their position after this advent of the Second Sundering. So whether or not Talona has any dealing with Ball and Bane at a reduced power level, I personally doubt it, but I can see a world where there is still some sort of alliance made between the two of them. Outside of the Faerunian pantheon, Talona is allied with Veyron, god of male drow and thievery, and Seth, chief god of the Yuan-Ti. Enemies Though Talona and Lovitar may have once shared Baal as their superior during their times as the dark deities, or dark gods, Loviatar and Talona despise one another, which comes as no surprise. You may recall how I mentioned earlier that Talona killed Loviatar's sister, Kiputya. Talona is mocked any time Loviatar finds the chance. Loviatar is fond of commenting on Talona's appearance, small following, and Talona's ineffectual attacks and lack of portfolios compared to her own. Gargoth, a former lawful evil god of the Faerunian pantheon, holds Talona as an enemy as well, given her intervention with the other dark gods in thwarting his plans. Talona also despises the following good powers of the Faerunian pantheon. Shantia, Myliki, Sylvanas, Soon or Suni, Lyra, Kalimvor, and Tyr. Shantia in turn holds Talona as her chief enemy. Outside of the Faerunian pantheon, Talona is also the enemy of Hanali Selenil, elven goddess of love and beauty, Arvorine, halfling god of vigilance and halfling warriors, Sirolli, halfling goddess of hospitality and friendship, Sheila, Peri Royal, halfling goddess of nature and agriculture, and Yondala, goddess and superior of the halfling pantheon. Symbols Talona's faith has one known symbol, though with its own variation. Primarily, it is recognized as a purple triangle with three amber teardrops placed on top of it, though this triangle may have its apex pointed up or down. Prior to Talona's deific battle with Kiputia, Talona's symbol had the same physical features save a difference in color. These Ancient Talonite symbols show teardrops of three different colors, green, black, and purple. The triangle these teardrops are upon is flesh-colored. Why Talona had her symbol changed is a secret still kept to this day by her clergy. Central Dogma From Faiths and Pantheons, a 3rd edition supplement. Quote, let pain be as pleasure, for life and death are in balance, but death is the more powerful and should be paid proper homage and respect. Death is the true power, the great equalizer, and the lesson that waits for all. If it falls to you to drive home the point with the tip of a dagger, so be it. The mother of all plagues works upon you from within, and weakness and wasting is her strength. Talona's breath is forever and always with you, whomever you or the rest of the world believes in or serves. 
let all living things learn respect from Tolona and pay homage to her in goods and in fervent worship. If they do, intercede for them so that Tolona will not claim them. This time, go and work in Tolona's name and let your doings be subtle or spectacular, but make them known as the will of the mistress of disease. End quote. Presence of the Faith Tolona's clerics tend to hold an alignment of chaotic evil, chaotic neutral, or neutral evil. Many who worship and pray to Tolona are assassins, evil druids, healers, rogues, and the sufferers of illness and disease. In most regions, the Talonite faith operate in hidden enclaves. Tolona's clergy are often blamed for any plague spreading through a region or settlement. Common names people have for the Talonite clergy are walking plagues or simply terrors. Whether these accusations may be true or not, it is often the case that their numbers are far higher in plagued areas than elsewhere. Most of the clergy's enemies attempt to attack them from a distance with missiles or with polearms, fearing that Talonites can simply pass on a disease via close contact. Tolona ends up being one of the more prevalent evil powers named and placated by the general populace. Minor issues of lesser concern, such as common illnesses and poor water quality, are even thought to be under her domain. By naming Tolona in prayer, common folk believe they will be spared her attention and her ill will Likewise, Tolona's name is invoked by people cursing others in their life, wishing for these other people to get sick, if not meet a worse fate. Tolona's holy symbol is often placed upon vials or containers of poison, or the symbol may be placed upon a door or area affected by a contagious disease or plague. Despite the amount of prayer said in her name, Tolona's faith is rather small. This is often the case with evil powers. There are few Talonite places of worship and few actual bodies of Talonite clergy. If her faith sees any growth, it is after plague has struck an area. Those who survived may erect a shrine to her and or assemble to become Talonite faithful themselves. In almost every locale they operate, the Talonite faith operates underground rather than openly. Several were-rats are adherents of Tolona's teachings, and they offer their prayers to gain an edge over the humans they often are at odds with. A good number of Tolona's clerics are members of the cult of the dragon. For nothing else but interest of my own, in the Horde of Chazar, described in 3rd edition's Dragons of Faerun, there is a set of three matching King's Tears gemstones. Upon each is depicted a different lost priest lich of Tolona. I found no mention of who these liches may have been elsewhere, but I am interested here if anyone has any knowledge about them. If anything, it might serve as an interesting bit of lore to add to your own games. Tolona has had one known chosen. He simply went by the title of the Rotting Man. This half-fiend first made his appearance out in the Rawlings Wood of the Great Dale in 1362 Dale Reckoning. Over several years, the Rotting Man's Talonite Faithful 
in the blight spawn they created pushed the Sylvanite Archdruid of the Nentyark and their followers out of the Rawlingswood and south to the forest of Lothir. His chief weapon was known as the Blight of Tolona. With it, he was able to turn many of the Nentyark's own druids into bright lords. Portions of the resident Vladni population were ensnared by the same blight. The rotting man took up residence in the ruined citadel of Dantharos. Come 1373 Dale Reckoning, the rotting man's followers were driven out by a devout member of LaRue's faith. As a consequence of the actions of the rotting man, he ended up rousing the long inactive demons who were in stasis beneath this old ruin of former Narfel. These demons were the ones who came to destroy the rotting man. The Blightspawn still roamed the environs of the forest 100 plus years on. This forest now bears the name of Dunwood, due to the fell influence of Don Theros that has been awakened once more. Within the adventure, Dead in Thay, found in Tales from the Yawning Portal, it is mentioned that a chosen of Rillafane, Relithil, who is an elven god, has been infused with the essence of the sacrifice chosen of Tolona. Who that Telonite chosen may have been is not stated. Shondathans, a human ethnicity, have a greater fear and respect for Talona compared to other human ethnicities. This stems from the long history of plagues that have been inflicted upon the regions they reside in. Talona alongside Savras are the two most venerated deities among the Tashalan human ethnicity. Talona's most prominent temple can be found in the nation of Tashalar. Hierarchy and Structure of the Clergy Members of the Talonite clergy may be referred to as Talontar, Talonar, or Malagents, depending on what book you refer to. I like to think in setting these terms are used interchangeably and or differ from region to region. A common personality trait among Talonites is cruelty. Many are independent, capable, but equal parts sadistic. Though Talona's faith is small in number, it follows a strict hierarchy, though there is much infighting with competing rivals and factions. Using second edition terms, where I got this information from, those priests who are of second level or less are regarded as initiates on probation. Once they reach third level, only then are they formally inducted into the clergy. Keeping with second edition terms, the Talonite faith holds the following proportions. 45% of the faith are specialty priests, 40% are clerics, and mystics make up the remaining 15%. Specialty priests are formally addressed with the title Most Fatal Horror, though other Talonites call them fatals behind their back. Other members of the faith are formally addressed with Most Debilitating Holiness. Senior members may refer to their lessers as young venom. Responsibilities and Duties of the Faithful One of the primary duties of the Talonite faith is the sale of healing agents, antitoxins, and medicine. The faithful are known to travel quickly across the continent, 
They travel quickly so as to not miss out on discovering diseases and ailments unknown to them that arise from place to place. All the while, they spread lies and rumors to the general public to bolster Tolona's influence in the public's day-to-day lives. Misinformation about poison and disease is just as valuable a weapon as withholding knowledge about diseases and poisons, especially the medicines used to treat them. Misinformation leads to confusion and desperation. Withholding information, and especially cures themselves, allow Talonites to open the purse strings of the vulnerable easily. Talonites are constantly looking to increase the respect of Talona throughout Faerun. To them, the public does not appreciate just how easy it would be for Talona to sow affliction and disease among their numbers. Talonites are often found experimenting and subjecting themselves to poisons and disease. This they do to build up their own immunities. This allows them to treat and heal the afflicted, become taste testers for rulers and grave diggers in areas riddled with plague. They are a vengeful clergy who will not hesitate to employ poison and disease to strike back at those who insult or harm them. This is especially true for towns that run them out. Tolona's price, which is a plague, is often not far behind. They are fond of going after the wealthy, so then when the wealthy individual passes, they can threaten the inheritors with the same affliction unless funds and property are turned over to the faith instead. Orders in Priestly Bodies The plague rats are a collective of thieves, assassins, and were-rats who themselves are Talona faithful. They operate in the western heartlands and to the north. Their headquarters is believed to be beneath the Rat Hills just to the south of Waterdeep, with its own connections to Undermountain. They have a strong presence in the Dock Ward of Waterdeep. The Plague Mother's Children is an informal brotherhood of fighters and rogues who run rackets throughout Shondath in the Vilhan Reach. Long ago, during the years of the Rotting War, they were a far more zealous organization. It has since degenerated to its current status in the 1360s Dale Reckoning. Fangs are specialists in the Talonite clergy, capable of easily blending both aspects of dealer and healer of poison and disease. They know that Talona is a goddess placated more than worshipped. As such, the fear they sow is insidious rather than overt. Fangs are a little hindered in combat from lack of melee training. Their preference is to poison a target from a distance, or surreptitiously, and let the poison do the necessary work. Fangs have a degree of built-up tolerances to poisons. As they progress, fangs learn new ways to administer their poisons. The People of the Black Blood are a loose organization of lycanthropes and lycanthrope-worshipping humanoids, mostly found in the northern force of Faerun, though pockets exist elsewhere. The vast majority of the people worship Malarite, but there are some Talonites among their number as well. Consider for a moment that many were-rats are devout followers of Talona. The Talantar Blightlords were the powerful followers of Talona's chosen, the Rotting Man, out in the Rawlings Wood. Blightlords infect all aspects of nature around them. Creatures from such areas 
come under the thrall of the Blight Lords and are called Blight Spawn. Most Blight Lords are druids, rangers are clerics. While the Rotting Man's Blight Lords may not exist, do recall that some Blight Lords reside in the ruins of Azram. Appearance and Dress Before touching on ceremonial dress, it is important to touch on the ritual tattoos and scarification that Talonites participate in. They participate in such rituals to both venerate and imitate the image of Talona. Tattoos are placed upon the face. Scarification is done across all parts of the body. Talonite ceremonial dress consists of gray and green robes with shoddy sleeves. They do wash their robes, but make no effort to repair the holes and deteriorating conditions of these robes as they become faded and threadbare over time. Despite how thin and rough these robes get, senior clergy still wear the very same robes they were initially given as a point of pride. Body piercings are a common decoration sported by the clergy. Some piercings have rings that link other piercings with small chains. Feminine members are fond of earrings and bangles worn at the elbow that resemble talons. Due to their ragged appearance, Talonites can easily pass for beggars, sometimes hiding their faces behind masks to remain as much anonymity as possible. When adventuring, Talonite clergy prefer armor that is black and purple. They are fond of such armor that sports spurs, horns, and spikes. Referring to a second edition term, the specialty priests of Talona wield their ceremonial daggers in combat without a second thought. Talonites go out of their way to hunt non-Talonites seen bearing such daggers. You would be hard-pressed to find a Talonite without some sort of poisoned weapon on them at all times. Talonites also carry small drawstring purses. Within they carry disease-carrying matter that they can easily spread as they travel. Fangs sport tattoos and scars much like the rest of their fellows. They also wear a black head covering called a wimple. Most also wear black leather gloves and black half capes. Around their necks, they wear a black chain of iron. From this chain is hung a small metallic plate displaying Talona's symbol. Fangs will only wear leather armor dyed sickly green or black when adventuring. They prefer weapons such as blowguns, daggers, darts, and short swords for their ease of striking while laced with poison. Rituals Talona's clergy pray and meditate on their spells during the evening. Though they have three set-aside times of the day to pray to Talona, during the morning, high sun, which is the term for noon, and the evening. In veneration of their patron deity's image, Talonites will often ritually tattoo and or scar their faces. Scars may be placed on the body through cutting, burning, or acid, but the holiest way is to accept the disease into your body to spread its legions across your flesh, which later heal into scars. A common ritual practiced by the general populace to placate Talona includes dropping three blood drops or teardrops onto an affected person's item or in an affected area. Some named examples are placing the drops down into an affected well. 
onto the handkerchief of an ill person, placed within a fire made with tinder from a blighted crop, and dropped into the mouth of an ill person. The Talonite clergy hold festivals that they call Dernoth every twelve days. The general public are invited to make offerings to Tolona so as to stave off disease and pestilence for themselves and their loved ones. Dernoth are filled with chanting and the playing of drums and other instruments by the clergy. The younger members of the clergy are tasked with the sale of antidotes, bombs, potions, and poisons. The senior members will diagnose disease and conditions among the guests. Though in response, the clergy will sell the necessary medicines at an inflated price. In demonstration, Talonites will heal those who are afflicted by disease, and all show off their immunities to such disease without hesitating to touch the afflicted impressing disease-carrying items to open wounds on their skin, these wounds coming from secret scarification rituals performed earlier. The Dernoth that falls closest to High Harvest Tide is special. During this festival, initiates are made into full members of the clergy. At private ceremonies, the new member participates in ritual scarification and is inked with tattoos of religious importance. General Characteristics of Places of Worship Many Talonite places of worship are found both figuratively and literally underground. In urban settings, you may find their shrines and temples in catacombs or around reeking sewers. In rural settings, such locations may be found beneath ruins. Other such places of worship are built out in the open in wild spaces. Here you may find shrines and temples in humid grottos or fetid swamps, each festooned with insects carrying disease, prevalent growths of mushroom and mold, and rife with the odor of decay. Gargoyles carved to resemble humanoids in the throes of disease and poison decorate such places. If the need calls for it, a Talonite can use the grave or deathbed of those who die to disease or poison as a quick stand-in altar. Before the time of troubles, temples to Bain were said to have shrines to Telona in them. Shrines may still exist in older Bainite temples, but any newer ones, I speculate, likely do not. Specific Places of Worship The central place of Talonite doctrine and practice is the House of Knights Embrace in Tashluta. This temple appears to double as a palace. Its presence is strongly felt as it looks down upon Tashluta, up on the ridge of the city's caldera. Here heinous grafting of body parts is practiced. Injured faithful may have bestial limbs, or the limbs of the deceased, from poison or disease no less, grafted to their bodies. The temple guard adorn themselves in black masks. They are assisted in the defense of their city by gargoyles and golems. The resident clergy here take to traveling Faerun on the regular. They visit noble and wealthy houses selling perfumes and wine. While they tour in this capacity, they also involve themselves in local politics and trysts, knowing that the threat they pose with their poisons and disease will keep them safe. The House of the Knight's Embrace is at odds with the House of the All-Seeing Orb, a major temple to Savras, also found in Tashluta. Westgate has a hidden temple to Talona called the Place of Waiting Death though it is considered more an open secret in Westgate. 
There are other unnamed temples to Telona. Some of these temples operate openly. They are found in Skornubal, Erebar, Kalant, and Byzantur. There is said to be an unnamed Talonite temple hidden beneath Waterdeep. Character Options For 2nd edition, the Malagent Specialty Priest can be found in Face and Avatars. The Fang Priest variant can be found in Warriors and Priests of the Realms. For 3rd edition, the Talantar Blight Lord Prestige class can be found in Unapproachable East. Next is a breakdown of the features I think someone deeply involved in Talona's faith, as an acolyte or otherwise, could have for a custom background in 5th edition. For two skill proficiencies, nature, medicine, or deception. For your language or tool proficiencies, two of herbalism kit, alchemist supplies, or poisoner's kit. For your equipment, the acolytes or the hermits from the player's handbook. For your ribbon feature, there's the Acolyte's Shelter of the Faithful, and then the Hermit's Discovery, both being found in the Player's Handbook. Following this, this is a list of subclasses I think would be thematically appropriate for an NPC or PC to take if they are a worshipper of Tolona. For the Artificers, there is the Alchemist Artificer, found in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything and originally appearing in Eberron, Rising from the Last War. For your cleric, there's the Nature Domain Cleric from the Player's Handbook, which, though isn't a suggested domain of Tolona, can easily make it work with some minor tweaking. Then there's the Death Domain from the Dungeon Master's Guide. For the Druid, there's the Circle of the Land, specifically the Swamp Circle of the Land Druid from the Player's Handbook, and then the Circle of Spores Druid from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. For the Ranger, there's the Swarm Keeper Ranger from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, for the Rogue, there's the Assassin from the Player's Handbook. And then for the Sorcerer, there's the Divine Soul Sorcerer from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Dungeon Master Options This is a list of creatures and humanoids available in 5th edition sources that I think would serve directly or indirectly to Lona and her faith. With spellcasters, it is worth your time to change out the spells given in their stat blocks for spells that fit their theme and role in the world. From the Monster Manual, there's the Acolyte, the Green Dragons, the Black Dragons, the Assassin, the Druid, the Giant Constrictor Snake, Giant Poisonous Snake, Giant Scorpion, Giant Spider, Giant Wolf Spider, Otiog, Poisonous Snake, Scorpion, Spider, Swarm of Poisonous Snakes, Rat, Giant Rat, Casmane Demon, Imps, Quasits, and Were-Rats. In Volo's Guide to Monsters, there's the Archdruid, which is also found in Monsters of the Multiverse. In Ghosts of Saltmarsh, there's the Amphis Nana and Giant Coral Snake. From Gilmaster's Guide to Ravnica, there's the Golgari Shaman, Hybrid Poisoner. And then there's the named NPC Gerard Von Savo, who I think could be reflavored to be a very strong NPC in the Talonite faith. From Eberron Rising from the Last War, there's Living Cloudkill. From Candlekeep Mysteries, there's the Lycan Lich. And then from Curse of Straw, there is the Tree Blight. Following that, I'd like to go over some monsters that are associated with Talona that don't have a 5th edition stat block as of yet. There's quite a few, so I'm going to give some quick overviews. 
Castigurs are muscle-bound demons that are capable of teleportation around a battlefield. They can then stun those creatures they engage with. These demons delight in the hunt and the fear they manifest. Many are found on the Barrens of Doom and Despair where they battle among one another in attempts to either serve Talona or Loviatar. Castigurs can be found in 3.5's Monster Manual 4. Fang golems are made by evil druids or powerful fae. The body of these golems are made out of fangs, claws, and tusks, and resemble beasts of nature. The rotting man and his followers created several of these fang golems to attack alongside their blight-spawned forces. The fang golems were created from the remains of the creatures these forces killed. Fang golems can be found in 3.5's Monster Manual 4. Plague Walker is an undead creation that resembles a walking, bloated, and bulbous corpse. The walker is purposefully built by necromancers to be filled with as much rot and disease as possible. Upon sustaining enough damage in combat, it may burst and its pestilence rains down upon all other combatants. Plague Walkers first appeared in favor during the Rotting War of 900 Dale Reckoning, and Talona's faith has done much since then to spread the instructions to create Plague Walkers. This creature can be found in 3.5's Monster Manual 4. Adarus are demons who resemble millipedes. A cloud of poisonous vapor seems to continuously follow in their wake. The brown fangs always seem to be dripping as they poke out from their cherubic faces. They revel in deception and the lies they and others sow. From a Forgotten Realms perspective, it is said that Talona created the Adaru. As a result, multitudes of Ardaru may be found around Talona's Palace of Poison Tears on the Barrens of Doom and Despair. Adarus can be found in 3.5's Monster Manual 5. Neo-Otiogs are larger and smarter than Otiogs. They are capable of a greater range of telepathy. They have been proven to be less diplomatic and often just attack any who come within their territory on site. Neo-Otiogs can be found in 1st edition's Monster Manual and 2nd edition's Monstrous Manual. The Golgoth Hydra is a created hybrid that blends the Otiog and Hydra. Rather than a creation of some mad wizard, it was through several magic surges across the Sword Coast during the Time of Troubles that warped and manifested this creature. The Golgoth Hydra has six Hydra-like heads and two Otiog-like tentacles. Much like Otiogs, it has three legs and a coloration and odor to match. This creature can be found in 2nd edition's Monstrous Compendium Annual Volume 2 and the City of Splendors box set, then in 3rd edition's Monster Compendium Monsters of Faerun. Sewworms are a large variety of water snake. As their name suggests, they like fetid places like the sewers in a city or bogs and swamps. Their scales are colored a mottled brown and green which allows them to blend in with their surroundings easily. The sewworms bite and scales release an anesthetic that numbs a creature's sense of touch to the point that they may never even realize that they're being fed upon until too late. Further details on sewworms can be found in 2nd edition's City of Splendors box set and 3rd edition's Serpent Kingdoms. Iron Maws are plant creatures native to the abyss that have spread to many of the lower plains. These creatures look like gnarled and dead trees that have shed their leaves long ago. This vile tree masquerades as a normal, healthy, leafy tree, though. It is able to grow false leaves 
and blend easily with other trees around it. It whips its many sharp branches out at a prey. If it manages to ensnare a target, it drags it towards its mouth housed in its trunk. Further information about Iremoths can be found in 2nd edition's Monstrous Compendium Planescape Appendix 2. Shadow drakes are true draconic creatures native to some of the upper layers of the lower plains. This creature goes by some alternative names, death drakes, sticks dragons, or dark worms. These draconic creatures have long, serpentine forms with scales that run the range from deep brown to a rust red. The shadow drake is unique in its ability to swim through the waters of the river Styx without any consequence. The Styx is their hunting ground, where they hunt both fiends and other creatures who travel alongside or on the Styx. The breath weapon of the shadow drake is an acidic blast with a rather small cone. However, the acid adheres and deals repeated damage in following rounds. More information about shadow drakes can be found in 2nd edition's Monstrous Compendium Planescape Appendix 2 and 3rd edition's Draconomicon. Vores resemble hyenas that can be found in some lower plains and the outlands, originating from pandemonium. The vor possesses more intelligence than your typical hyena, but much like the hyena, they hunt in packs. These creatures have short bristle-like fur, and their tails are long and resemble rats. Unique to the vor is its ability to transform itself into a shadow once per night. Utilizing this form, packs of vores can easily sneak upon their quarry. More information on vores can be found in 2nd edition's Monstrous Compendium Planescape Appendix 2 and 3rd edition's Fiendfolio. To round out this section on Dungeon Master options, the following are some thematically appropriate magic items from official 5th edition sources I feel the faith of Talona may have access to. From the Dungeon Master's Guide, Dagger of Venom, Kyoktum's Ointment, Necklace of Adaptation, Oil of Sharpness, Pipes of the Sewers, Staff of Swarming Insects, Staff of the Adder, Staff of the Python, Staff of Withering, and the Vicious Weapon. From Candlekeep Mysteries, there is the Serpent's Fang. From Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, there is the Vermin's Shroud. From Tomb of Annihilation, there is the Scorpion Armor. From Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, there's the plus one to plus three Amulet of the Devout. From Wild Beyond the Witchlight, the Black Chromatic Rose and the Green Chromatic Rose. Finally, from Xanathar's Guide to Everything, the Hat of Vermin. Alright, thank you for listening to Religion in the Realms. If you're interested in keeping up with release of future episodes, you can follow the podcast Twitter account at Realms Religion. Audio versions of the podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Podcasts. These episodes are also uploaded to YouTube as well. If you wish to get in touch with me with any questions or just want to chat, you can send me an email to realmsreligion at gmail.com. In the next episode, I will be covering the Doombringer, the lawful neutral god of poetic justice and retribution. Until next time, may Timora look kindly upon your dice rolls, Helm protect you, and Lathander light your path.
Music for this episode, Glue Horizon, by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 